delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello and welcome to episode 477 of the Two Tackies for Saturday, August 10th, 2019. This is the week's most notable tech stories in around an hour or less in podcast form. We take the week's technology news, talk about it, segmentalize it, discuss it, debate it, sometimes slightly argue about it, and then leave you to get on with your week. On this week's episode, British Airways IT problems worsen. New cars with significant security vulnerabilities. And HTC have a smartphone dilemma. The only technology podcast you need to listen to. That is what a recent review of the show said. Oh, wait, no, it's not. Sorry. That's in my head. Never mind. Welcome to 477 of the show. It has been a technology podcast for the last nine years and eight months. I would say nine and a half, but that would be a disservice to us because we've been doing it for longer than that. But then technically we haven't because it was the end of January of 2010. So we'll say nine years and seven months. That would be better, wouldn't it? Does that work for you, Aaron? Aye. Hi, are we? Good, you? Can't complain. Yet. Um, I think we have a lot to talk about and a lot of it's complaining this week, so I, that, that, that could be interesting. What you're saying is... What I'm is, not going to complain... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what you're saying is I will be in my element. Pretty much. Yes, pretty much. Same. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, nice warm drink or cold drink, depending on the weather, and uh, take, take a nice, comfortable seat and stand by for the next hour of moaning. What I can't moan about is iOS 13 Beta 5. Well, I haven't downloaded it, so I, I probably will moan about it next week, but it is now available for download, supposedly. Did you have a beta on yours? Yes, I do. Then, developer beta. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the public one's been available for two days, I think. I, Has it? I think I forgot to tell you, so my bad. I only got the notification. I guess that doesn't give it right away, to no. be fair. Um, but I got it there two hours ago. iOS 13 public beta 5 is available and will be installed later tonight. Yeah, it's been... No, it been won't, because my iPhone around. is at 2%. So that's oh, good. How do you how I uh, how do you do that? I'm always amazed that you use your phone so much. Thing is, I haven't. That that's the thing. Um, I don't know. It just is. It's it it's it two percent, and that's it. Although if I go into what what's your battery health? This is this is how you know the show's exciting. Gripping stuff, everyone, as uh, live scenes <laughs> as we check out our battery health. It's always when you need to find it. You're like, oh, where is it? It's it's okay, conveniently placed under battery, Aaron. Uh, well, yeah, you know, ninety <laughs> percent. 97%. I've managed to wear my battery out slower than you. Well, there you go. That's probably Oh, by why. the way, while we're in there, on iOS 13, have you seen that little option that's now at the bottom? No. Where? The optimized battery charging. Oh, yeah. I don't really like it because whilst it, it understands your normal, and it is on, but it, sometimes I've woken up earlier and need to go and my phone's at 76% and yeah, that's not very helpful. It's one of those, uh, I think it's a really good idea. I, I think the actual like principle is a good idea because yeah leaving a battery sitting charging at 100 percent for eight hours is not ideal it's one of the but reasons then, you, one of the reasons your battery health is 90 percent. yeah but not really because the iphone does stop the charge input from the lightning cable and then it drops it down and puts it back up yes 
believing it topped up sitting there at 100% is bad for the battery apparently um huh. hence this feature but yeah i've i think i've only, I only noticed it once and you're right it was an abnormal wake up time and you're like the phone's like oh it's at 80 that's weird um and then i listened to i think it was atp and i saw this uh saw this option so it, it's a good idea i've still got it turned on because i don't wake up at crazy early hours enough to uh, uh enough to warrant turning it off but uh yeah it's probably going to catch a few people out i imagine we still haven't managed to come you know we can do a lot with technology we can do so much with technology we still can't number one provide a consistent strong connection for any length of time between broadband and we also can't pioneer batteries because lithium ion is the best we can do and it's rubbish it's poor isn't it i don't think there's anything wrong with it you're serious there is there is poor charge times low life somewhat potentially dangerous uh I could go on. There is not a device I own, I think, now. In 2019, there's not a device I own that I would say has poor battery life. Um, my iPhone is going off 34%, but I just don't use it that much. Um, and I don't have Facebook installed. I, you know, seldom use Snapchat and things like that. It really is kind of rare. So it's probably used maybe less than the average person, I guess. Um, my iPad lasts for about 563 years before needed charging. And my MacBook, I can't remember the last time I charged my MacBook. So uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think we do need to find a solution for battery technology. And I think many people will agree with you on that. But I wouldn't say we're we're at a point or in a place where you know lithium ion is is a particularly poor choice at the moment. I th- I think um, we're getting to the point where ha- we're having to put like crazy high capacity batteries and things because people are using stuff so much. But mm. I think that I I think you go back uh you know ten fifteen years probably not even that much actually. And we're talking about this battery you know batteries that didn't have this long of a lifespan didn't hold this much charge. I think they are making small and incremental innovations or increases in the current area, but I think you're right there. Uh, we're still waiting for that that big break in battery technology. And it feels like when that big break comes, like electric cars and phones and tablets, like it's all going to kind of change overnight and just get infinite. Like battery life won't be a problem is kind of the impression you get. This is, lithium-ion batteries are a technology that predate technology. The, the work started in 1912 to pioneer lithium-ion batteries. Batteries. It wasn't until 1970 where they became first commercially available as non-rechargeable lithium batteries. Um, being the lightest of all the metals has the greatest electrochemical potential, provides the largest energy density for weight, which is great because it has a high energy density. There is a potential for higher capacities. Doesn't need prolonged priming when new, i.e. how many charges to keep it up. So one charge on creation is all it needs to sort of get it going, I guess. Relatively low self-discharge, low maintenance, you know, no periodic discharge is needed. There's no memory in it, just is what it is. And specialty cells can provide very high current to applications such as power tools. But here's the problem. It requires a protection circuit to maintain the voltage and contain the current within safe limits, subject to aging, even not in use, which means storing it in a cool place at 40% charge reduces that aging effect, but it still does happen. There are transportation restrictions, so shipper of larger quantities are subject to regulatory control. There's also problems in carry-on batteries and so on. They're expensive to manufacture, and the technology is not fully mature yet, which means we're still working on it. We still can't get it. So I, yeah, I mean, lithium-ion is the best we have at the minute, and it has been for forever, really, because I guess what you must remember is you are storing energy within a cell that will always bring its own dangers, and that's been proven by phones which just spontaneously combust. So yeah, I mean, there, there is a, an advantage here of what we have, but 
we're, we're in an awkward position. What what do we do next? I mean, I'm not the right person to ask, but even those who are the right people to ask clearly haven't quite mastered it yet, unfortunately. And it's not an easy thing to do. I appreciate that. I mean, if it took from 1912 to 1970 to quite perfect the lithium-ion battery, goodness knows what it's going to take to perfect an even better counterpart. I think the uh, I think whatever's next there will be a big thing. You look at uh, electric cars and and the such, and mm. like they're at the point where they're like 90% battery their base and the weight they're carrying around is huge just to get their the energy output and the, and the life that they need um yeah. i think any advancement in that i think will be potentially pushed forward by the electric car industry because we're now entering that time of okay it's not just a phone or you know a tablet that we need to last all day or last longer actually we're now talking about transport i think we're going to see some pretty interesting innovations in in battery tech in cars in the next few years hit the nail on the head there um it is the one thing that will shift the technology on a lot quicker than what phones will because we need that technology for this for the, the, the electric car sector to really perform and if if there aren't those developments and that really creates a bottleneck for the development not only in range anxiety but also charge time too so yeah you're right there that, that, that could be the saving grace that the, the money that will be pumped in because it's needed not because it, i mean phone batteries last a day pretty much and that's okay that you know but it would be nice to have more, but it's not a necessity. Cars, on the other hand, it's a bit more of a necessity. Um, and that's all they need to do to, to sell them. It's a big ask. But last, and we put so much emphasis on this because today's episode alone, we'll talk about mobile phones multiple times and we will talk about HTC and their dilemma, which they have at the minute with phones. And you could say, well, right, okay, what's so special? But and we, we seem to talk about phones every single week. And we identified it a while ago. They are the biggest piece of technology that consumers use in 2019. Yeah, we've got laptops, we have tablets, we have desktop computers, we have TVs, we have every bit of technology under the sun. But what do we all have in common technology-wise? A smartphone. And they are, they're the most ubiquitous device in our pockets um, and in our hands. So th- yeah, that I guess in terms of technology, probably the most useful at least um, valuable bit of technology. And I say valuable they, monetarily as well because of the money that we're paying for them. They are. That's another matter. I'm, they oh, sorry. I shouldn't have started Aaron on this. Uh-oh. Continue. Uh, yeah. uh, as, someone who's, <laughs> as someone who's just finished listening to the uh, fantastic book that's Digital minim- Minimalism. Yeah, that 10 times fast. Um, I feel the need to point out how smartphones are both the best and the worst thing in our lives at the moment. Mm. I highly recommend it, actually. If, if anyone's looking for uh, not a slightly out there book how do i describe it a, a different book to listen to digital minimalism is a crazy eye-opener of a book and especially when it comes to the use of social media and the use of our phones every day you'll start to realize and i think people are generally realizing more and more now especially with the advent of things like screen time and and, and whatnot about people complain about their battery life is terrible all the time and then they're going to screen time and realize they've spent like three four five six seven hours on their phone that day and it's like oh oh that's why it's so bad um you'll start to see more and more people that's like oh people are just wandering around with their phone attached to their hand like people can't leave their phone in their pocket for 30 seconds it is funny it talks about um uh, like quick boredoms and whatnot so and you you're kind of i think as soon as you're aware of it you'll see yourself doing it you'll see other people doing it you know when you get to a queue so at a coffee shop for example what's the first thing you do oh it's pull out your phone instinctively <laughs> without thinking about it just a mind and aimlessly scroll up and down on a, on a social media feed or, you know, just swipe around the apps for two minutes until it's your, your turn to be served. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's actually funny when you, 
when you think about that and then you next go to a, a coffee shop or you know a sandwich shop or whatever and you look at the people in the queue in front of you and it's just like oh oh yeah we do do that as a society and we're paying oh we're paying a lot of money for these devices to do that aren't we yeah good it's a good book, though. I highly recommend it. It's not like you're going to come out on the other side of the book going, well, oh, I'm going to throw my phone away type thing. I think you just, it, it, it's good to be more aware um, of these things. But yeah, it's a good book. Fair enough. Yeah, it's good to be mindful. Right. Without further ado, shall we move to the quick news, which actually is quite quick this week. Sure. Amazon has pledged to investigate allegations that hundreds of teenagers are working illegal hours at a Chinese factory producing its Echo devices. A new report by China Labor Watch claims more than 1,500 interns were manufacturing smart assistants at a factory run by supplier Foxconn. The teenagers, aged between 16 and 18, were reportedly pressured into working 60 hours a week and night shifts. Foxconn has blamed local managers and vowed to improve monitoring of staff. 3 Ireland has apologised after adding bogus roaming fees to customers' bills. In some cases, subscribers have been told they had been charged more than €160 for a large amount of data that they exceeded on their alliance. Many were alerted to the charge by a series of text messages from the firm and then found that their service had been suspended as a consequence. The company has blamed a system upgrader. That's the problem. It added in social media that it was currently trying to identify which customers had been affected and would refund them in due course. Some users have complained that they'd been waiting um, or had been told they would have to wait several days for the money to be reimbursed. Instagram has removed US marketing company Hyper from its service after it was accused of grabbing users' data. Hyper was scraping profiles, copying photos, and siphoning off data supposed to be deleted after 24 hours, according to a Business Insider investigation. Instagram said Hyper had violated its policies and had been sent legal papers telling it to stop collecting data. Hyper said it complied with privacy regulations and the terms of service for the social network it targeted. Business Insider also said that Instagram's owner Facebook should have been more diligent about preventing data grabbing in the wake of the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And finally, Amazon discontinued its push-to-order physical dash buttons earlier this year, and now the online retailer is completely shuttering the program, with the company set to stop taking orders from any dash buttons left starting on August 31st. The news comes as a bit of a surprise, given that when Amazon first discontinued Dash sales in February, the company pledged to continue to support them so long as customers still use them. But in Amazon, uh, sorry, Amazon said that the usage had significantly slowed since then, resulting in the impending shutdown at the end of the month. Still, it's odd that the company would do that, essentially removing a way for customers to buy stuff from Amazon, which in theory is something that Amazon wants to make easier, not harder. Utterly and absolutely pathetic is what that is. Amazon, who make plenty of money, more than enough, too much money, clearly. And these allegations, I would in no way say are dumbfounded. And Amazon, I am sure this is not the first time they've been made aware or have had sneaking suspicions. And I'm not just looking at Amazon here. I'm looking at you, Apple. I'm looking at you, Samsung. I'm looking at HTC. I'm looking at Microsoft. I'm looking at every single technology company which utilizes what is seen as cheaper labor and exploiting that, not only exploiting human beings, but also vulnerable people by age as well. Teenagers. And I'm sure there are kids in that too, being pressured to work 60 plus hours a week, night shifts, 
under what I wouldn't assume are great conditions. Pathetic. Utterly pathetic in 2019 when these companies are making far too much money to ever justify or warrant such such actions. And I say, Apple, Amazon, Google, Samsung, HTC, the whole lot, Microsoft, every single last one of them has some part to play in this, regardless of what they say, their ethics or their responsibility, rights to consumers and to their staff and employees, health and safety, all of this great, lovely stuff they talk. What are they doing about it? Not very much, clearly. And it's actually a little bit annoying that we use and support these devices because we are supporting that as consumers. We're saying to these companies, yeah, that's fine, no problem, keep doing that. You increase your profit margins, increase the prices of products, probably pay a very bad wage. Oh, and don't worry about the working conditions either of your staff, that's fine. But that's not how it is for consumers. Consumers don't truly probably think about this half the time um, anywhere near as much as what we should and I don't think there is enough in terms of awareness of this this is pathetic it's, it's also, utterly pathetic it's also got to the point where so much is uh, made overseas or made in China with you know cheap labour that for a consumer it generally feels like you don't really have a choice uh, no. the old saying about voting with your wallet is, is getting you know more and more difficult if there are no alternatives um, take the smartphone for example, you're going to ver- find it very hard to, or uh, well, almost impossible to find any smartphone that hasn't been uh, made over there. And so if you wanted to vote with your wallet, basically your only option is not to buy anything, mm. which is just not an option for the consumer, unfortunately. Nope. I think one of the doubly sickening parts that always comes out of this is every company, and Foxconn, it's not pretend we're all sat here surprised that this is Foxconn. As soon as you start reading this type of stuff, you go, I bet it's Foxconn, but it's Foxconn, and then you read it, he's like, yep. Um, and as you said, not the first time, certainly won't be the last time we hear about this, but it's also any of these companies. I'm sure Amazon will do it. We've heard Apple do it. We've we've heard all the big tech companies do it. All just companies in general. It's They'll come out of this going, we're shocked and surprised that this is happening. It's like, oh, really? Are you? Are you actually shocked and surprised that this is happening, or were you fully aware and you're just kind of annoyed that it came out in a, in a news article? Because I feel mm. like it's the second one. Um, it is. And as you said, this is Foxconn. Now, it's not limited to Foxconn, but Foxconn have been... This is a company that has been in the news years ago for having suicide nets on their building. I Last time I checked, a good and conducive workplace doesn't need to put suicide nets from high-level floors. I mean, is, is that just me? Is, is that common sense? Well, exactly. Surely somewhere we must identify the fact that Apple, Amazon, Google, Samsung, HTC, every single technology company out there, and I'm saying those ones are the quickest ones that come to mind, you're paying peanuts... What do you expect? The the, the flip but side. Don't worry of, about charging a thousand dollars to your phone now. That's fine. That that's perfectly fine. The flip Angry side me. of the, the flip side of the whole thing is take Apple for example. So if you remember the last Mac Pro, Apple moved assembly, not manufacturing, but assembly to the states, and the price reflected that. Now, if Apple moved everything to stateside or Europe or wherever they're going to move it to, I'm sure the price like they would lose a chunk of their margin that they make between the cost of making the device and the the retail price. But all I think they would do is they would go, hey, you wanted us to stop making it in China, you're going to pay for it. Because welcome to, you know, welcome to planet Earth, welcome to 2019, where companies are just dead set focused on making the most amount of money possible, working conditions and people's lives be damned. Um, Unfortunately, kind of what, not we're accepting, but I think we're encouraging as a consumer half the time because we can't do the vote with our wallet thing anymore. Um, And this applies all around the world. I, I, I 
I think if you if you looked at the tags on half the clothes on your body, you know, half the things that sat in front of you, the things in your pocket, I don't think there's a piece of clothing, a piece of technology that isn't made in probably substandard working conditions that we should not be fighting against. Like, But we just aren't as consumers. We're just quite happy. We want to pay the cheapest we can pay for something. And unfortunately, because of that mentality, because of that cutthroat business world, this is the price that people have to pay. And it's absolutely disgusting. Um, I think as consumers, we're really not helping, but I think companies have to do more. The amount of clothing companies, we keep hearing that Nike, like it kind of became, unfortunately became like a running joke about uh, who was making Nike shoes and whatnot. And it's like, it should never get to that point. It should never get to that point where we're reading these news articles and we're desensitized to it, Mm. which is unfortunately (laughs) the way with so many things. Um, and, yeah. and I think labor, the way, where things are made, how things are made, who makes things, and how much these people are people are paid, the lives these people live. Um, we're, we're sitting here going, oh, well, we don't want to, you know, we can't have them increase the cost of our £1,000 smartphone. But you actually think about the, the conditions of the people who are making that, and it's like, it's such a selfish point of view, I think, for, for us or for, for the Western world, we'll say, to have. It is, it falls with consumers, but mostly with the manufacturers who are happily putting their margins up when cost of production isn't ultimately going up and and they're not paying a higher rate. Designed by Apple in California, made in China. And that's the reality of it. And as you say, you know, this whole, oh, assembled in the USA. Yeah, but not made in the USA. Um, And it's not just the point, you know, the the place shouldn't matter. Fair and equal pay, fair and equal treatment, more importantly, of staff, regardless of where they are. But sadly, again, that's that's just not a thing in 2019. And it really should be because equal everything is 2019, rightfully so, 100%. But yet we're negating this. It doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. Angering, very angering. What what is probably also... uh, not equally as angering, but very angering uh, for some three users, and don't start me on three, is that they have apologized after adding just bogus roaming charges up to 160 euro. Yeah, don't worry about it. And uh, well, we'll give you that cash back just whenever we can. Don't don't worry. Just uh, wait a few days and yeah, you should be back in your account. Would you like it credited or would you like it cash? I feel that's a conversation three have probably had. Um, we'll send it to <laughs> it's you a system a upgrader. Yes. How does upgrading a system add charges that didn't exist on your account in the first place? I, I, I'm not an expert in technology. I like technology. I'd like to think I know enough. Maybe I'm missing something somewhere. How does a system upgrade result in, oh, you owe us 160 euros? Wait, no, you don't because it never went in your account in the first place. That seems like a bogus excuse to me for bogus costs. Not saying they added it on purpose, but I feel there was something different here than just a system upgrade. I think the the fact this happened in the first place, fine. This stuff happens. Mm. Mistakes happen. Companies make Mm. errors, whatever. The fact that three are so lackadaisical about the, oh, if you put it perfectly, oh, you'll get it when you get it. We'll send it to you in the post via a check. Little bounce. You have to come back to us. <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll get it. And so many people living paycheck to paycheck. 160 euros for most people, not a small sum of money. That could be their entire balance for the rest of the month. Not, not, not a, certainly not a sum of money that you would ever put to the side and say, well, just in case my mobile bill is a little bit extra this month, we'll just leave that there. But exactly. But we're, th- we're talking about so many people who, you know, live so close to, you know, I, I think maybe we're making a bit of a stretch here, but it's the truth. So many people who live so close to the poverty line in this country and 
in this world. And mm. so many people who can barely pay for food each week, um, which, you know, is a problem upon itself. I think as a, as a country and as a world, we're not, we're not doing enough to support these people. And yeah. a phone is a necessary item. And I appreciate the fact that if someone's gone on holiday to Ireland, yada, 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 then, then people are going to make the excuse that money can't be a problem. Well, unfortunately, that's, you know, not how we should be thinking. And if you're going to sit there as a company and you're going to automatically debit 160 euros over their potentially already large phone bill and you're going to sit there and, and kind of brush it off like, a, oh, we're fixing it, we're working. It's like, these people need this money. These people have bills to pay, you know. Whether you, for most people, well, regardless of 160 euros being a, a, you know, a large or small sum of money, it's like, it's just, it, it, should, it shouldn't be like this. It should, it, should, it should be better. It should be easier to identify. It should be, they should be going out of their way to fix this for people. Um, you just kind of get the impression with companies and kind of, no, I guess not to pick on three, but especially three a little bit. It's just like, they're so, the customer is an inconvenience to three rather than actually the people who give them lots of money and pay it for seems everything. Seems like that. Like, it's like you, you being customer three are like, oh, do, do we have to? Do we have to pay <laughs> this money back? Kind of the feeling you get. And that, you, you hear that time and time again with more and more companies is where companies overcharged you and like you, you're phoning them up or you're dealing with them and it's like you're an inconvenience somehow it's like no you made you made this how are you turning this around on me i don't understand this is a perfect example of how competition just means that you leave that company and i i i truly believe there is no loyalty to any company who doesn't show any loyalty to you and i have been with three for countless years and have found them to have just went completely down the drain pipe, both in offering and customer service. It used to be fantastic. I, but the last few dealings I have had have been shocking. I actually cannot believe that I, I mean, I'm giving them money. It's not the other way around, but somehow you would think it was polar opposites and just know that they can't do anything for you and, and Goodness forbid, goodness forbid, you ask them what's the best deal they can do for you or what, what's that? No, 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 no. Stop. No. We value as loyal customer, but screw you, is essentially what they say. I, Not uh, in those words, but that's really the summary of how it feels. I st- still remember, was it uh, last month or the month before when you were over and you were having your uh, disagreement, we'll say, with the mm. uh, couple of three representatives on the phone? I, I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Just you trying to, like, it's something so simple wasn't rocket science you weren't asking for anything unreasonable and it just seemed to blow their minds and like Mm. i've um and i hate to say i i've got to the point where i when you phone any company bank phone tech whatever you can be a little bit taken well not taken aback but when you get a uh, english-based call center now like it can be a surprise so many companies like we're palming manufacturing off to uh to to different countries often call centers also get palmed off to different countries um one of the things i've I've always liked about uh, the bank I'm with is is you you talk, you talk to someone over here. Um, and one of the things I found with the EE, who I highly recommend, by the way, they're a little bit pricey unless you manage to catch them on a deal. They run deals all the time. Um, is you, you get to talk to someone over here and you, you you talk to them and they are they just need to be more than willing to not quite bend over backwards for you but uh but to help you and, and get whatever you need sorted what really surprised me it was more the fact that it would seem three had a, a very significant policy change in something or offer a very different offering to the last time that i spoke to them and they didn't educate me as a customer they just expected i knew that and i didn't of course because i rang up and said can i have xyz and then this is what i normally get and then, no we can't do that right well what can you do for me oh no we don't do that we can't do that 
know, we can do this, but then we don't do that. Right. Well, if I do that, then right. Okay. And then I discover it's, it's a reoccurring charge rather than a one off. That wasn't explained to me. And X, it was just a complete mess. And you know what? I could argue the point, but I tried and tried and I could take it further, but the easiest thing to do at this point is just to leave three. And that is exactly what I, I consider or I'm considering doing. And as simple as that, if, if you're not happy with the company, just leave them because there's too much competition out to, to, to get you as a consumer. And if a company doesn't want to keep you as a customer, regardless of loyalty, then just, just fly the nest. It's as simple as Instagram with all of their problems um it's facebook so what do you expect uh, the, the data grab of hyper which were scraping profiles copying photos siphoning off data supposed to be deleted after 24 hours but it wasn't surprise surprise isn't that really surprising data that was meant to be deleted but wasn't funny i think that falls under what gdpr data protection just you know just those kind of things it's nothing that facebook would have to worry about considering their cambridge analytica scandal you know law onto themselves um, and then more surprisingly amazon with the the dash buttons this is kind of surprising i mean why why would they stop supporting this i i get it i mean the buttons for me were never realistically ideal because you buy a button for one product and i i get the idea oh we're out of toilet paper press there we go it's a nice idea in theory but for one product then it you know I, I, yes I, I can understand but fine if they discontinue them that's fine but why discontinue support because surely if someone has one then they're going to still use it if it's convenient for them and you discontinue it then they'll say you know what i'll just get it when i'm at the shop it's potentially losing some money no or is there something more to this i don't actually know anyone who ever genuinely used the dash button for the reason of ordering stuff i only know people who got the dash buttons to then repurpose them as internet of things (laughs) buttons literally the only things i've ever seen them used for i think amazon just actually invented a really good really cheap uh iot button rather than actually something useful for shoppers it is odd i think you in the article put it pretty well that it's odd for amazon to stop a way for you to buy stuff on amazon because amazon are always willing to like cover every base when it comes to purchasing stuff through them um so clearly i imagine i i'd actually love to know the numbers maybe a peak and maybe now i'd love to know how many people a day were actually using these buttons to genuinely purchase something because i imagine most of them were being mashed by uh children over and over <laughs> <Yeah>. again <laughs> <laughs> Who ordered the twenty thousand toilet rolls? Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine the scene. <laughs> the, the delivery man turns up. He's like, "Oh God, <laughs> I have to take all these back, do I?" Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I just uh, is it? Are we talking thousands of people? Is it hundreds of thousands of people? I just mm. I just can't picture a number on that for people genuinely using it for yeah for, for its purpose. I think the risk yeah. with the uh, I don't know if it ever changed, but with the Internet of Things aspect of them, uh, what you would do is you would install something that would basically it would intercept the dash button from what I understand um, it would intercept the dash button on the way to wherever it ended up and it would repurpose that call so I think people were very conscious about if your Raspberry Pi crashed or went down all of a sudden that dash, become, dash button became a order the toilet roll button again and, uh, <laughs> instead of turning the lights on and off you could well have six cases of uh, toilet roll turning up interesting fair enough if only it was an easy explanation or as, as easy as an explanation as that for BA with their IT fit and you may think, am I listening to an old episode of the show? Because you could be, because this happened to be a before. They've said that they've fixed the glitch that caused more than 100 flights to be cancelled, more than 200 others to be delayed. So flights were returning to normal, warned there may be a knock-on operational disruption. At least 117 flights had been cancelled at Heathrow, 10 cancelled at Gatwick. 
A problem caused BA to revert to using manual systems for checking at airports, causing long queues. They apologize for the disruption, said customers and short haul servicers can rebook for another day. We continue to advise customers to check BA.com for the latest flight information before continuing the airport, blah, 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 blah. So they said the issue wasn't a global problem, involved two separate systems. One deals with online check-in, other deals with flight departures. The issues themselves were affecting flights across their network, but not every airport. Passengers had been invited to rebook on any other day up to next Tuesday. So this isn't the first time that British Airways have had an IT problem. And I get it. You know, we all know IT can be very uh, intermittent at the best of times. And that's that's really something we just have to accept. But why BA twice and no other airline once recently? You know, it just seems that there's a, a, a chink in the chain somewhere there to me. I mean, did, did they take anything away from the first time? No, maybe. It just seemed very doesn't odd. seem like they were really prepared for this. You know, you would surely think, all oh, right, okay, technology systems failed. Mm, we maybe need to identify a redundancy plan. Should this happen again? Because 100 cancelled flights and 200 more delayed doesn't sound like a redundancy plan's really worked to me, if there was one in place. And I guess, and I'm not slamming BA here because, you know, it's, it can happen to any company and twice is just bad luck, but, well, it might not be. But, um, as companies, do companies put too much emphasis and, you know, too much and rely too heavily on technology so that in the event that technology doesn't work, there is just nothing, you know, okay, you can revert to your redundancies, but if it does not work nearly as effectively as the technology in some respects, it's almost not worth it. You know, you might as well just wait until the technology comes back up. Almost. It's interesting. And there are some industries that just rely very heavily on technology and you can't get away from that. That's fair enough. But we're backing ourselves into a corner in some ways, no? Yeah. I I think we've spoken about this before. We've spoken about the the reliance or the over-reliance almost on technology that we have as well. But on the flip side, you look at this system day to day and what it's doing and, and how many jobs it's probably making more efficient. Then I think that these tech problems almost like are slightly par for the course at this point. Now they should be happening and BA obviously don't want them to happen because cancelling 100 flights is not what they would call ideal. Just as a side note, I love when news articles and you read through this, they're talking about, they, they go to, like whenever any airport frustration happens, they always go to interview the people at the airport and it's just always the most hilarious, like it's so brilliant. Like people just like passively, aggressively angry that, you know, computers crash and they can't get on their flights to Ibiza or whatever. It's just, it's so funny reading this stuff. <laughs> but um, I can appreciate the people who are in that find it less funny. Um, unfortunately, I think this is going to happen more and more because technology is not going to get any more reliable because unfortunately human error still comes into technology. Things still crash, things still fall over, you know, that's just going to happen. It's not going to get any better, it's never going to get any better as the over-reliance becomes further and further. It's probably only going to get worse. Um, the fact that this makes headlines when it happens at airports is amazing. I dread to think how many times things are crashing and, you know, behind the scenes and things are going down and, you know, catastrophe or te- 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 technological catastrophes are happening behind the scenes and, like, they're all putting a brave face on up front. Like, I dread to think how many times that is happening without us even being aware of it. Not just in airports, but in, in, in day-to-day life as well. Um, like, it's, it's funny. It's just weird that like this week for example you know traffic lights just to go on a complete 
engine are uh, getting smarter and smarter and there's more te technology involved in smart traffic lights or at least there is over here and it's just like this week i saw like four or five sets of traffic light completely separately just down or stuck on a single light and whatnot and it's just funny the traffic chaos it ends up causing um so i think you know technology part of the wider world wider country wider world is uh when it goes wrong it can cause quite the disruptions mm. it's yeah it's a tough one because you kind of have to over rely on technology to to let technology do what technology is good for but when it fails it fails so yeah i just I, bad part of love for ba unfortunately you know this could be in any airline it could be in any system and it didn't affect the company globally which i guess is i i think last time it did i could be i could be very wrong there but i'm nearly sure it was a bigger problem last time could also be the fact that it happened before so the media really took to crucify them on it but either way it happened they're but, getting back on track now and hopefully this highlights they need a redundancy plan in place bearing in mind also we're only a couple of weeks out of ba getting a record gdpr fine as well it's not really going well for them no it's not technology is wonderful technology helps improve our lives it can do the opposite and sometimes it can leave us open to more vulnerabilities in one event newer cars have and i i kind of feel like cars have plateaued in terms of security here because i mean the, the data coming forth says new cars can be broken into in 10 seconds and years and years and years ago cars were easily broken into and they were even easier to hotwire if you knew what you were doing supposedly so i've been told um <laughs> genuinely so i've been told it sounds if i know but oh supposedly. yeah so you've been <laughs> told yeah anyhow now, disclaimer you get it anyway you're making it look worse for yourself don't worry I, I genuinely am aren't i before immobilizers came in before the technology though you know and, and, and then cars became more secure as time went on no actually it's doing a bit of a 180 isn't it because some of the, the the newest and most popular cars are at higher risk of being stolen seconds by exploiting weaknesses in keyless entry systems and that goes from keyless in terms of you know key fobs to having tablets now for your your car you know bmw 7 series mercedes s class those kind of things some cars allow their a mobile phone to, to control them. Essentially, the systems let drivers open and start their cars without taking their keys out of their pocket. What car magazine tests seven different car models fiddled or fiddled fiddled fitted with uh, keyless entry and start systems. A DS3 Crossback and IDT TRS were taken in 10 seconds. A Land Rover Discovery Sport TD4 180 HSE in 30. Security experts performed the test using the same specialist technology operated by thieves. They measured the time it took to get into cars and drive them away. Car theft rates in England and Wales reached a, a, an eight-year high. 2018, more than 106,000 vehicles were stolen. That's crazy, isn't it? You don't actually think about it in that in that respect. 106,000 cars in total in one year in England and Wales alone. That's really crazy. I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be reading this article with someone with keyless entry. Oh, <laughs> oh how, you, how you feeling after reading this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, we know uh, it's an issue, and and sorry, I know you, you you're dying. To talk iron motor theft insurance claim payouts hit their highest level in seven years at, at the start of 2019 the association of british insurers says claim for january to march were higher than any quarter since 2012 it said a rise in keyless car crime is partly to blame but they didn't have figures on a proportion of whether it was for keyless or not just as a side note i'm just i'm just gonna make it worse here. um your car is it's on the yeah list. i know i know i know <laughs> I know. Um, I'm sorry. But um, I've always been a little bit wary. I mean, I've got... So I've still got manual button press key fob entry, the same thing... Sent 
the remote central locking entry, sorry. I think cars have had for 20 years, 30 years. Um, but I've got the uh, keyless start. And it's like, a, a, as nice as that is, and as, conveni- as, a, as convenient as that is, it sometimes does feel slightly safer, I guess, or slightly more secure to, to jump into a car and go, oh, I've got to put a key in and turn it. Um, like, there's no magic, oh, you can relay signals and whatnot. I mean, you can still do that with key fob cars. Uh, no, you can't do that with key fob cars. What am I saying? Because um, the only thing you can do with, with active button press key fob cars is you can still relay that, but it's only transmitting when the button is being pressed. Whereas mm. keyless entry keys are always transmitting. Hence the reason you can walk up to the car and it goes, ah, key. Um, yeah. And we've seen it time and time again where cars that are parked on driveways tend to be stolen quite a lot with keyless entries because uh, a thief can just stand at your door with a repeater and repeat the signal of any key and then just, you know, your car's going, oh, there's a key nearby, um, <laughs> just because they've got a signal repeater. Um, so I think we've got to that point where it's like, actually, this is a really convenient thing. I imagine, like, the amount of times I've walked up to my car and wished I had keyless entry um, is, is kind of unreal. You know, when you're carrying lots of stuff and you wish you could just, like, walk up and open the door or, you know, you just push the button on the door rather than having to find the key in your pocket. And when you go mm. to the supermarket, you've got a plan. That, but when you pick shopping up, you need to also have your car keys in your hand otherwise it's a kerfuffle um but we're trading that convenience for the fact that we could walk out of our house one day and the car not be there so um yeah and some of these being stolen within 10 seconds 10 seconds even 60 seconds is incredible but 10 seconds is just crazy it it does beg the question what what level of security are is on these vehicles in that event that that makes it so easy i say easy you know to the normal you and i it isn't but it shouldn't even be that easy for someone who does know what they're doing surely i mean it should surely there's a way to delay whatever's happening here and i couldn't even i don't even know what's happening but whatever is surely it must be possible to delay that in such a way or is it is it the fact that it's emulating the way the key works or i don't because there is the the, the story that yeah the, these keyless keys are very easily copied and the, the signals they send and so you can just spook the car into believing the keys there when it's not and then xyz abc you know that that bish bash bosh essentially i think i mean I, I don't know about how the transmission works on these things i'm just reading about that video that's on there and it was doing the rounds all of last year of that mercedes that was stolen with that relay attack um the person was saying the keys were at the back of the house you know, on the third floor, like quite far away from the car. Mm. Um, and Mercedes still don't have an explanation. Car's still missing. Mercedes still don't have an explanation as to why it happened. Um, the only thing Mercedes has said is that if they, if you double tap the key when locking the vehicle, it will be safe as the key does not then transmit, um, which is interesting. I didn't know that. Um, the only thing I can think of, if, if you're going to keep key to sentry, you're never going to stop relay attack, you know, retransmitting a signal because unfortunately you'll just be able to spoof whatever the signal is um yeah well, so the true. only thing yeah. i can think of is the key has the key needs to have a range of a meter or something like it doesn't transmit beyond three feet or something like you have to be standing right by the car i, I don't know like i think you have to really reduce the signal strength um still not going to help if you leave your keys by your front door or you know close to the front of the house or close to your car unfortunately mm. um but i think if if we're gonna keep buying cars that have keyless entry then manufacturers need to start doing a better job of doing something about it and if you can't do something about it get rid of the feature um no one should have to live with the constant fear that oh the car might be stolen just because it's got keyless entry 
Yeah, well, I mean, this isn't a, a case in point of, well, the consumer should not buy this. It, it's a case that, well, it's offered to the consumer and it's offered as a convenience option. The consumer's well within their rights to say, oh, I like the sound of that. Add it to my car because it's being sold to them. So it's up to the manufacturer to make it more secure. It, 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 it's a no-brainer. It's not up to the consumer to try and fix this problem by not buying it. It's up to the manufacturer and those who design it to say, what can we do to make it more secure? And I know what you're saying, Aaron, that, yeah, it, it could be more difficult or quote impossible if all it's doing is repeating the signal you know that it's always going to be able to emulate that but surely there's something there has to be something somewhere that Um, unfortunately it's it's, this is part of just security in general and the best thing to do is just we get rid of key entry as an idea um Mm. it never used to exist and car theft used to probably be slightly less there was that i think that almost high point where we'd got past the point that i think my dad will always tell stories of, of certain cars that came out in the 17 is 70s and 80s that like if you had a knife from your uh, kitchen drawer for your cutlery set you could open the lock and whatnot like it was just like might as well have not had locks on certain cars and this <laughs> is but this is pre-central lock uh, pre-remote central locking yeah. um but we hit that point where we'd got past that but free all the keyless stuff keyless start mm. keyless entry um and i think car maybe there is direct relation to to, to car theft at that point two things reading one of the articles is like you can tell who I don't know about you I think you're like me when you lock your car with your rem- I, I don't know if you still lock it with the remote um, I check incessantly that my car is locked like I will pull all the door handles and make sure um, because I'm just paranoid like that and I'm reading here like people who have locked their car with a remote button but the signal has been jammed you know someone nearby whatever it is which means that someone jams the signal and can then get in your car can't drive away with it normally because obviously the start is different or you still need the key but they can obviously steal items from within the car um and the second thing we've spoken about over the years how apple have done such a fantastic job locking down iphones and ipads and macs with icloud lock and they're forever doing more and more each year to try and deter people from actually ever wanting to steal it and we've actually started to see we've started to hear about a direct correlation in drops of theft of iPhones and iOS devices um, purely because it's now becoming common knowledge that okay you can steal an iPhone it's useless um, yeah. the person can lock it instantly it's iCloud locked it can never be re- or you know it's getting harder and harder to, to restore it or to wipe it that type of thing needs to happen with cars the car industry needs to I don't know employ someone good at security and, and figure this out um, we can't have car theft on the rise again it's just ridiculous it's 2019 mm. exactly exactly we're, we're, we're we're, well, we're not fixing a problem because unlocking your car with a key was never a problem, but we're making something more convenient, but we're putting it at the price of of something much more important, which is pretty much function over form, which is pretty much 2019 in technology, isn't it? HTC has stopped offering its phones for sale in the UK while it's involved in an intellectual property dispute. Tani's company's online store currently lists all its models as out of stock, despite the fact they remain available in other nations in abundance. Uh, they haven't been involved in a long-running dispute with research and development company Epcom over a wireless technology developed for car phones. To resolve it, they agreed to sell only mobiles with a workaround in the UK. However, Munich-based Ipcon has alleged it carried out tests earlier this year that showed no workaround had been implemented, that HTC had failed to play by the rules and had displayed disregard for the law by contravening a UK court ruling. 
and HTC spokeswoman said, as a leading innovator, HTC takes intellectual property issues very seriously. We're proactively investigating an infringement claim by a third party with respect to a single handset model. I don't know. I mean, surely if they integrated this fix, they would know it's there and they wouldn't have to do this. It almost feels as if they have been caught out, but I don't know. I'm I'm not an expert in the matter and I have the information at hand to to comment, really. But it certainly seems like they they know, right? It is odd, isn't it? uh, How do you go, oh yeah, we'll we'll sell phones with a workaround, proceeds to not sell phones with a workaround. Obviously, this article... And then get caught out and then suspend sales of the phone. Yeah. This article doesn't do... We don't know what the workaround was meant to be. It just says, we'll sell phones with a workaround. Is that hardware, software? What is that? Um, Because they may have pushed it as a software update. So, you know, you you don't don't know how that works with court court rulings and whatnot. But uh, this is so irritating when you read this type of thing now. We're reading more and more about, oh, patent disputes. And all it does is harm the end consumer. Um, It's just incredibly annoying. I I fully appreciate intellectual property has has to be protected and rightfully so. It just feels like this stuff just gets so petty and annoying after a while. Mm, I don't know. Petty, yes, but I mean, at the end of the day, if it, uh, that's that's the rules, you, should, you know, you're a big company. Oh, 100%. You play by it. Uh, I'm not saying that they, you know, they HTC could stand firm and continue to break the rules. It's just it's annoying that it keeps getting to this point. And I, I think there's a there's an argument that not the case here, I don't think. But there's a lot of patents and a lot of IP where it's like, well, that's just ridiculous that you were ever granted a patent for that. Um, we see that more and more and time and time again. And that I think is what harms the end consumer. I think things like this is. HTC, known to be a little bit of a questionable company at times before, this feels very much like uh, when the court ruling happened, they're like, oh yeah, we'll start selling phones with a workaround. Wink. And then, as you said, didn't, and then got caught out. And it's like, oh, we're so annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) This, um, this reiterates the fact that big companies small companies doesn't matter it, it happens everywhere you would think that a bigger company would have a responsibility and there's a department set up and, and a meeting to but what do we do here and xyz and contracts signed and deals and handshakes done no just went under the carpet didn't it like every other problem goes under the carpet like the fact that companies are employing teenagers to do underpaid work in illegal conditions as we said at the start of the show like instagram were aware that data scraping was going on but then they did something when they got found out like cambridge analytica and facebook you know these companies no matter how big they are in fact sometimes it seems the bigger they are the less they actually do care because number one they know that well they might not get caught out for a while it might be worth their while to keep at it until they get caught out and when they do get caught out the ramifications fines penalties punishments don't actually damage them that that much you know in terms of profit margins in terms of profit made revenue doesn't touch them doesn't scratch them so why should they care why would it bother them why do three really care that they've charged users potentially who need that 160 euro nah doesn't matter we'll sort it out when it suits us you know it's fine why would it matter and it's a sad state of affairs that that's the world we're living in right now, that the consumer is actually at the highest of the manufacturer, of the company, of the, you know, anything and anything that suits them. And I think we, we should expect better. We should demand better. But as you said, Aaron, the only way you can do that to a company is via your wallet. And it's a very difficult thing to do in 2019 when you need the device, when you need access to the internet, when you need to use these platforms. It's difficult. They know they've got you right where it hurts. And it's going to hurt even further. That's the problem. Will it get fixed? Probably not. And we will continue to talk about it for years and years to go. <laughs> Episode 821, for example, we'll probably talk about the exact same thing. Lithium-ion batteries might get better though, right? <laughs> Hopefully in that time anyway. And uh, that brings us to the end of 477. Aaron, uh, people can find you, I guess, over your website, which is... AaronFisher.net. 
and just myself munchtech.tv forward slash jimmy for now munchtech.tv for other episodes of the show if you're listening on your mobile device munchtech.tv forward slash mobile for the ultimate guide to podcasting munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide our interview with steve wozniak over at munchtech.tv forward slash was and of course our newsletter munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter as always thank you so much for joining us on this episode it it wouldn't be worth it if you didn't and just continue to support the show makes it all worth the while until episode 478 see you next week until then have a great safe and enjoyable time and we'll see you next time bye-bye bye-bye